Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Waiting Room, the show that challenges you to thrive, not just survive in every area of your life. This is your host, Rue, and in this podcast, I'll be talking about the realities of waiting in every season of life, how we wait is more important than the wait itself, so waiting well is what matters. In this episode, I will be talking about science and the Bible. So science and the Bible, that is the word of God, happen to be two of my most favorite topics. So for those of you who don't know me, I have a degree bachelor's in biology and I have been fascinated with science from a very young age. I think I remember even in elementary school, just you know, science experiments and just how things worked and how things were formed have always fascinated me. So all the way from the cellular level, you know, looking at cells, the microscopic level, um, all the way to the macroscopic level, uh, the human body, how it functions and movement and life in general, especially human uh, biology. Uh, you know, there's plant biology, animal biology, but um, the human biology has always been kind of like my uh, forte. So, and I also taught sciences for several years. So I taught anatomy and physiology and general chemistry and a few others at a high school level. And then I've also been a Christian for almost half of my life. So almost 16 years. So in that time, you know, I've been a student of the Bible, reading the word of God and, you know, trying to live by the instructions that God gave us. But, um, you know, there's so much more in the Bible than just instructions and rules. You know, God gave us the blueprint for life. So religion and science are not at odds uh, with each other, as many people claim. And so we live in a world where you know, it's kind of like one or the other. There's this dichotomy. In fact, science is rooted in the truths of God's word. And I've said it before in another episode that God wrote the rules for science. He created everything. And it's just taken mankind centuries to decipher those rules and to figure out, you know, what God told us in his word. And there's so much more that we haven't discovered. That's why, you know, technology and medicine and all of that is constantly evolving because scientists are constantly discovering new laws and new rules. You know, they add to that and we grow as a society. There's no other book in any of the world's religions, think Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, etc., that contains scientific truth like the Bible does. So I'm going to look at six scientific facts that were rooted in the Bible. Number one, round earth. So this one's for all you flat earthers out there. In the book of Isaiah, which was written 2,800 years ago, it says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Get that circle, okay, not line of the earth. So the Bible informs us that the earth is round, though it was once commonly believed that the earth was flat. And it is uh, this scripture that inspired Christopher Columbus to sail around the world. So he uh, he was trying to prove the theory that if he kept sailing, he would 
pretty much make a full circle and end up where he started. He said in his diary, it was the Lord who put it in my mind. There is no question the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with the rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures. Now we know, of course, we have satellites and we have images from outer space. And we know it's a, a fact now that the Earth is round. If you go back several centuries, they didn't have the technology and the imaging we had today, but they relied on the stars and they relied on which is another scientific fact. I'm not going to get into um, astronomy, but, you know, several scriptures in the Bible uh, point out, you know, the stars as guides and the, basically that's how they navigated in old times. And um, that's how they determined seasons and time passing was uh, the stars. Number two, the water cycle or the hydrologic cycle. So in the book of Job, again, it says he draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture and abundant showers fall on mankind. All right. So you have the full cycle right there. You have evaporation, precipitation and condensation. So mankind didn't come to understand the water, water cycle as we know it today about until about 400 years ago. Okay, but the book of Job, like I said, was written almost 3,000 years ago. So if they had just paid attention, they would have had it figured out uh, centuries ago. Number three, life in the blood. So in the book of Leviticus, which was written about 3,500 years ago, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Scriptures declare that blood is a source of life. Up until 200 years ago, sick people were bled in order to heal them. And many died because of this practice. But now we know that the blood is a source of life. It carries water and nourishment to every cell, removes the waste material from the cells and maintains body's temperature and so forth. So that's why we have blood transfusions now. So when somebody's sick, they will be given blood from a healthy person so that they can sustain life. So this vital element also carries oxygen from the lungs throughout the body. So if you lose your blood, you lose your life. Hence all the blood drives and um, different organizations that try to make sure, you know, there are blood banks in case of emergencies that people can be saved. Number four is hygiene. So in the book of Leviticus, remember, uh, it was written 3,500 years ago. It says, and when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his dis discharge, then he shall count himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water. Then he shall be clean. So the Bible tells us that when dealing with disease, hands should be washed under running water. Until the 1800s, doctors used to wash their hands in a basin of still water, leaving invisible germs. So they didn't have microscopes at that time and they didn't know that there was life at a microscopic level. So they would wash your hands and leave germs resulting in count countless deaths. So imagine this doctor operates on a person. He washes his hands in a basin of still water and then he goes and treats another person, you know, opens them up, does surgery washes his hands in the same water 
and then goes treats another person. So he's just spreading the germs, spreading the bacteria. People were dying, getting infected, sepsis, and so forth. And um, the mortality rate was high. The Encyclopedia Britannica documents that in 1845, a doctor in Vienna was horrified at the terrible death rate of women who gave birth in hospitals, as many as 30% died after giving birth. Okay, so that's about one out of every three died postpartum. So he noted that doctors would examine patients who died, then go straight to the next ward and examine expectant mothers. This was a normal practice because the presence of microscopic diseases was unknown. So he insisted that doctors wash their hands before examinations and the death rate immediately dropped to 2%. Okay, so that's one out of every 50 instead of one out of every three. That's pretty significant and from something so simple as just using fresh running water instead of still water. Number five is quarantine. So before medical science find, found out about the importance of isolating a person with infectious disease, God taught his people about this in the Bible. So in the 14th century, seven, 70 million lives were taken through the plague because they failed to separate the sick from the healthy. It wasn't until 17th century that the laws of quarantine were instigated. So well before modern medicine, God had instructed his people. Once again, in the book of Leviticus, he said, as long as he has infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Okay, so it was written several millennia before but they just took until the 17th century for them to figure it out. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't leave the sick people amongst the healthy people because that's how they're spreading this disease. Number six, oceanography. In the book of Psalms, it says, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. So the sea is just a huge mass of water. How could it have passed, right? Man discovered the existence of ocean currents in, 18, in the 1850s, but the Bible declared the science of oceanography 2,800 years ago. Matthew Murray, considered the father of oceanography, noticed the expression paths of the sea in Psalms 8. He took God as, at his word and went out looking for these paths. And his uh, book on oceanography is still in print today. And that sort of laid the foundation of oceanography as we know it today. So now we know, you know, there's a different currents in different parts of uh, different oceans and how they change throughout the year based on the position of the earth. So all of that's uh, connected. But once again, he was reading the word of God. He noticed this phrase and he's like, wait a minute, let's see if this is true. Though there are so many other examples in the Bible where different scriptures explain, you know, what we know about science today. So there's scriptures about dinosaurs and it describes them and how they lived. And it doesn't give an explanation for the extinction, but, you know, commentators have their own uh, theory. And some scriptures that explain the first and second law of thermodynamics. Uh, we have scriptures regarding blood clotting and uh, why it was important. 
and ship dimensions when Noah built the ark. God gave him specific instructions, and researchers discover that no modern design can outperform Noah's ark. So they've compared 12 types of shapes as far as the hull of the ship, and Noah's ark comes up at the top. Okay. So, you know, if you're interested, I have some links in the description of different resources you can read about science and the Bible there. But I think it's pretty fascinating. I never had a problem with believing the Bible you know, as a scientist. It's always blown my mind or baffled me that there are scientists out there that don't believe in the creator because just looking at life at a microscopic level, if you look at the structure of the cell, the organization, how everything has its function is in place, mitochondria, your cytoplasm and your, um, your nuclei and all of that and how organized it is on just a small, minute level and then how that plays a part in the bigger picture. Uh, you cannot deny that there is intelligent design. You cannot deny that, you know, somebody much smarter than us created us. But, you know, honestly, I think if you are going to argue that, then there's a bigger issue at hand. So the book recommendation for this week is Undeniable Evidence, 10 of the top scientific facts in the Bible. This was written by Ray Comfort. The link is in the description. So I definitely encourage you to grab that. And there's also a video I linked. There's a YouTube video on that you can watch. It's pretty fascinating. It goes into more depths uh, on some of the uh, facts that I talked about. One thing I want to, you know, challenge you is just look at life, appreciate, you know, God's creation. And we serve a mighty God and he cares about the smallest detail, what might seem insignificant to us, but it is also important. You know, he, every hair on our head is numbered. That's how much he's into us. So, you know, I encourage you to appreciate the life that God has given us and also just thank him for it every day. You know, it's uh, not something to be taken advantage of or taken for granted. All right. Well, that is it for today's episode. I'd like to thank you for joining me here in the waiting room. I know it's a little bit different vein than what I've been talking about, but like I said, this is a topic that's always, these two topics have always fascinated me, how they go hand in hand. So look out for my next episode. In the meantime, please share this podcast with a friend. I'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, or your questions. Feel free to write in at thewaitingroom at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at the waiting room, or you can leave a comment on my website. Until then, take care.